0: Welcome to another episode of the Donut of Destiny, the podcast and all things cardiac CT for anyone interested in cardiovascular imaging. My name is Alastair Moss, and I am a cardiologist at the University of Leicester in the UK. And
1: I am Praveen Ranganath with radiology at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston in the
0: United States. Praveen, the SCCT virtual meeting for 2020 has just recently passed, and all everyone keeps talking about is how amazing the whole thing was. I keep hearing about video chat, happy hours, epic tweet battles, on-demand content, but honest question, how many presenters do you think were actually wearing professional tops and pajama bottoms during their talks?
1: <laughs> well, I, uh, I guess that gives a whole new meaning to the term business casual, doesn't it?
0: <laughs> well, that's another corny joke for me there, Praveen, but actually that one's pretty funny. Oh, thank
1: you. I hope I'm, I'm not going to give you a heart attack from my jokes, am I? Get it? Get it? Am I? Um, get it?
0: I all right, all right. Uh, let, let's come down, now, Praveen.
1: Yeah, well, uh, don't worry, Alistair. My career in medical comedy is just statin. It's just statin. uh okay.
0: Statin, okay. Yeah. And and on that bombshell, let's move on. Okay. So we're going to discuss one of the key highlights from hashtag SECt twenty twenty meeting in the field of coronary CT angiography. Plaque morphology. What's really more important in the assessment of coronary artery disease? Is it plaque or stenosis?
1: Well, Alistair, you can't really have one without the other, right? Coronary stenoses are the anatomical consequence of negatively remodeled atheromatous plaque that has progressed over several years.
0: And the current clinical paradigm for monitoring and treating coronary artery disease is centered on the detection of these obstructive coronary artery stenoses, predominantly through the use of functional testing. But what if we're actually aiming at the wrong target? Stenosis is the late clinical manifestation of coronary artery disease. A recently published sub-analysis from Scott Hart provides some interesting food for thought in redressing the balance between plaque and stenosis. This sub-analysis will be the focus of this episode of The Donut of Destiny.
1: As a refresher for our listeners, let's highlight the key findings of the original Scott Hart trial. In the Scott Hart trial, 4,146 patients with stable chest pain were recruited from cardiology clinics across the central belt of Scotland into one of two arms, either a coronary CT-first arm or a standard of care arm. After follow-up out to almost five years, the CT-first strategy reduced fatal and non-fatal myocardial infarctions by a whopping 41%. So to reiterate, that's a 41% relative risk reduction compared to standard of care.
0: Praveen, can you break that down into more specific numbers?
1: Yeah, yeah, sure, Alistair. So in absolute terms, there were 48 events in the coronary CT arm and 81 events in the standard of care arm. Importantly, the main driver in this reduction in events was fewer non-fatal myocardial infarctions. Among those 48 patients that had events in the CT first arm, 22 had obstructive disease, but 17 had non-obstructive disease and three had normal coronaries while six did not actually attend their scan appointments. So, Overall, no obvious connection between the degree of stenosis and eventual outcomes. But Alistair, is there something else in the CT data that would help us prognosticate these patients?
0: That brings us to the recent plaque characteristics subanalysis. analysis The investigators, led by Dr. Michelle Williams, took a deeper dive into CT plaque features for the 1,769 patients included in the CT first arm of Scott Hart. Now, Histological features of plaque at risk of rupture include inflammatory infiltration, microcalcification, thin-cap fibroatheroma, and large lipid-rich necrotic cores. Coronary CT is particularly good at identifying these lipid-rich necrotic cores, which are detected as low attenuation, non-calcified plaque. However, qualitative assessment of plaque characteristics is both time-consuming and relatively subjective. To streamline this process, the investigators used standardized semi-automated software to provide a quantitative measure of these plaques. They used 1,769 scans that had suitable image quality for analysis, so nine of those weren't analyzable and therefore excluded, and they measured four things. One, total plaque volume. Two, calcified plaque volume. Three, non-calcified plaque volume, and full, the important one, low attenuation plaque volume defined as voxels with attenuation of less than 30 Hounsfield units. Plaque burden, that's the relative plaque volume divided by the vessel volume and multiplied by 100, was the primary measure that was compared with the occurrence of fatal and non-fatal myocardial infarction.
1: So what did the investigators find? Well, in terms of stenosis alone, one quarter had obstructive disease and the remainder were split 38% and 37% between non-obstructive and normal coronary arteries. As expected, the patients with obstructive disease on CT had more plaque volume, and importantly, had more low attenuation plaque volume compared with non-obstructive disease. On a more granular level, there was a stepwise increase in both total plaque and low attenuation plaque burden in patients with 1-, 2-, and 3-vessel obstructive disease. You know, us CT readers have known about this for a while. Patients with obstructive coronary stenosis have an overall higher burden of disease, namely a higher burden of quantifiable calcified and non-calcified plaque. Alistair, can you talk to us about the relationship between these CT features and eventual outcomes?
0: Well, Praveen, remember that adverse outcomes were overall pretty low, as we commonly see nowadays in the era of highly effective medical therapy. Only 2.3% of patients in the CT first arm had events. That's 41 out of 1,769 patients. Importantly, those 41 patients that had an MI at five years had a statistically higher burden of calcified and non-calcified plaque. Plaque rupture events are just more frequent in those who have more disease burden. Well,
1: all right, Alistair, so more plaque portends more events. That's fun and all, but I think our listeners have heard this
0: a lot already and are still waiting to be wowed by this study. Well, then they better strap in for this next part, Praveen. What was really interesting was in the multivariate analysis. Low attenuation plaque burden was the strongest predictor of MI. It trumped cardiovascular risk scores, agustin calcium scores, and that's the mainstay of CT plaque burden quantification of eight, and even visually assessed obstructive stenosis.
1: Whoa, hold, hold on. Better than calcium and stenoses? That's a pretty bold claim. Actually, I thought that Scott Hart initially showed that the presence of vulnerable plaque was not independent of the calcium score in predicting adverse outcomes.
0: Can you explain
1: this a little further?
0: Well, you're right, Praveen. The initial analysis of plaque in Scott Hart focused on the presence or absence of vulnerability features. And this was using a dichotomized system, so yes or no. And based on that binary system, vulnerability features were not independent of calcium scoring predicting risk. But where this current sub-analysis differs is that it quantifies the plaque. This goes far beyond the binary system in the international analysis.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. So this sub-study of Scott Hart got far
0: more granular with vulnerable plaque, Check this out, Praveen. Using a threshold of 4% low attenuation plaque of total plaque volume, patients with a greater low attenuation plaque burden were five times more likely to sustain a fatal or non-fatal MI. Remember, that's regardless of degree of stenosis. And in those with non-obstructive disease, with greater than 4% low attenuation, there were six times more likely to have an event compared to those with normal coronary arteries.
1: Wow, okay. All right. That is a pretty impressive hazard ratio. For me, this data just further supports that CT is a very powerful tool in detecting these vulnerable plaques with necrotic cores that can eventually guide treatment.
0: What did the authors think about the implication of their findings? The authors raised some interesting points in the discussion of these results. They state, most coronary events occur in segments that do not have obstructive stenosis on preceding imaging. Whilst hunting for obstructive plaques to target revascularization helps relieve patients of anginal symptoms, as we've seen yet again in the ischemia trial, elective PCI does not reduce the risk of myocardial infarction per se. Rather than focusing on stenosis, we should be turning our attention to other modifiable targets, metabolically active plaques.
1: Oh, but that, uh, that is a pretty
0: big thought shift for the interventional people out there. And yet another success story for hashtag yesCCT. Yeah. How does this fit in with what we know already about plaque characterization and cardiac CT?
1: Well, Alistair, we do have some info on high risk plaque features from other previous chest pain trials and substudies. In the United States based PROMISE trial on stable chest pain, patients with high risk plaque features had a nearly threefold higher risk of adverse events at a two year follow up. In the ROMICAT-2 trial on CT in the emergency department, high-risk plaque features were a significant predictor of ACS even after adjustment for coronary stenosis. And specifically within the ROMICAT trial about those high-risk plaque features, low attenuation plaque was associated with an 8.2-fold increase in ACS. Uh, I'll note that the scan was done during the index admission, but still 8.2-fold. Alistair... How did these CT data measure up to other modalities in plaque characterization
0: like IBIS? Interestingly, when compared to IBIS, a further analysis of the romicat 2 data by Bittner et al. in Circ. CVI determined that low attenuation plaque with less than 30 household units is a good discriminator of culprit plaques with a relative risk of ACS of 563 the discriminatory ability improves when plaque burden of greater than 70% and minimal luminal area of less than four millimeters squared are incorporated. And this is kind of similar to the results that were reported in the PROSPECT trial using intravascular ultrasound. Using a threshold volume of greater than 1.31 millimeters cubed, low attenuation plaque had moderate sensitivity, 78%, and a high negative predictive value of 96% with good diagnostic accuracy to discriminate culprit plaques, albeit in a population that only had 37 ACS events.
1: Okay, so I think we have covered quite a lot of ground here. Let's take a minute to review some of the key points. First, not all plaque is created equal. Certain plaque is considered high risk. Second, Scott Hart among other trials, is showing us now more than ever that there is a very strong discriminatory power of CT in identifying patients at risk for ACS, despite how low that risk in getting ACS really is given current medical therapy. Third, a vulnerability feature like a low attenuation necrotic core is powerful but should not be looked at in isolation when stratifying these patients. Rather, these vulnerability features should be looked at as one of many parameters in stratifying risk and selecting more intensive therapies.
0: So Praveen, do you routinely add adverse plaque characteristics to your reports?
1: We do, Alistair. We use the SCCT's CADRADS system for coronary CTAs. As a reminder, CADRADS is a standardized tool used to assess and report coronary CTAs focused on the degree of maximal luminal stenosis. But beyond those stenoses, CADRADS includes these modifiers, including the letter V, which indicates the presence of vulnerable or high-risk plaque features. A V would be used in a report when there are two or more of the following features. One, low attenuation plaque, less than 30 Hounsfeld units. Two, positive remodeling. Three, spotty calcifications. And four, the so-called napkin ring sign. For instance, I would assign a score of a CADRADS-2V for a scan that had an LAD plaque with 40% diameter stenosis, spotty calcifications, and a low attenuation necrotic core. As seen in the ROMICAT-2 study, these features are really
0: helpful in adjudicating culprit plaques in this ACS population. And then those with stable chest pain? Well, this is what the Scott Hart study we talked about today was really looking at. I've never completely bought into the idea that a patient presenting with new symptoms of chest pain really has stable plaque disease. The onset of symptoms suggests that something has changed. The cumulative event curves in Scott Hart look more like those from an ACS population, where there's a cluster of early events in the first month, followed by a linear event rate thereafter.
1: Right, Alistair. This is where Interpreting the data gets a little tricky. The Scott-Hard data suggests that patients with low attenuation plaque burden have a higher risk of myocardial infarction over five years. Some centers have a pretty low threshold for emitting these exact patients for further investigation. But does identifying and quantifying vulnerable plaque actually change patient management? Well, right now, there's no randomized trial data to guide therapy based on these vulnerable plaques. Do they need more intensified treatment? Do they need revascularization? These are all questions that we will actually be exploring in an upcoming episode
0: of this podcast. Thanks, Praveen. I'm really looking forward to that. And this has been, you know, a lot of data that we've covered here, but I've, I've taken so much away from this one. Thanks to the listeners for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed it.
1: Thank you, Alistair. And that is all from us this time on The Donut of Destiny please rate review and subscribe to our podcast and feel free to continue the conversation on twitter at heart underscore scct hashtag scct see you guys next time